my goals are to become more and more a part of the industry and to reach more and more people. But I never want anyone to disappear from my life. Having Ryan and Eric and then amazing musicians of my uh, musicians that I have, Declan, Steven, Nate. Yeah, like I, I'll never I'll never let go of any of that. Hello and welcome, everybody. My name is Will Chernoff, and you're listening to the Rhythm Changes podcast, a home for creative, improvising, local music people. This show is an ongoing, open-ended conversation series with folks who make their community fun and prosperous. If you're joining us for the first time, don't forget to follow this feed wherever you get your podcasts and visit us at our website, rhythmchanges.ca. Our guest today is a young alternative pop artist from Saskatoon, and I'm seeing her emerge as a hit maker and a newsmaker. Her most recent song at this time is called Whatever That Means. She lived previously in Vancouver while pursuing acting, and she continues to work with BC-based producer Ryan Stewart. You can find her online at velourartist.com, velour on YouTube, and at the Lure Artist on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So please welcome to the Rhythm Changes podcast from Saskatchewan, Velour. Hey, well, how's it going? Thank you for having me. I want to ask you about your birthday, which was in September in a second. But first, <laughs> I do have to thank you because right now, as we record, it's the first game of the Toronto Maple Leafs hockey team in the <gasps> NHL. And I'm a big Leafs fan. And <laughs> If I weren't here with you, I would be stressing out way too much about this one first game of the season. I'm honored that uh, that you took the time when you could be watching the game. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I should do this more often. But yeah, <laughs> your birthday was in September. So happy belated birthday. Thank you. Talk about when you celebrated 22, who did you jam with and what did you do? Oh my gosh. Okay. So for my 22nd birthday, it was a surprise party that my mom had put together at my grandparents' cabin. She had brought family members and then my my grandma and grandpa told the whole block basically that there was basically a show going to happen. I didn't know about this, but my amazing musicians, Declan, Steve, and Nate, who I've been playing with since our show at the Saskatchewan Jazz Festival, that was our first show together. They came and uh, they brought all their gear and everything. We did a whole show together. And my mom had got them to learn 22 by Taylor Swift because I was 22 years old. That was nuts. And so that was really, really fun. And I was so like surprised. Obviously, I had no idea that that was going to happen. And uh, so that was really, really fun to to get to play with them because they're my friends also. So. That was really amazing. So what instruments do they play? So Declan plays keys and guitar. So talented. Nate is a, is a really stellar uh, drummer. And Steve is an amazing bassist. So yeah, they, they really do make up an amazing band. So you played with them for your hour plus set on the main stage of the Saskatchewan Jazz Fest, right? Yes, that was the first time we had ever played together before that. So how it worked was Steve, bassist, sweetest sweetest man alive, love him. He um, had messaged me and was like, hey, what's up? And like we talked a bit. And then he said, if you ever need a bassist, 
hit me up. And then like a week later, I got Jazz Fest <laughs> and I was like, hey, <laughs> I need a whole band. Do you know anyone? <laughs> and uh, so he got Nate on and then uh, Nate got Declan. And it's so funny because I've known Declan. We've known each other for like a decade, um, but we had never played together before. Yeah, you're pretty plugged into the Saskatchewan arts community and you got a $1,000 micro grant from Sask Music at one time too, but you also got this festival gig. So like, what did you expect when you applied for it? Was this something that you came into with a lot of confidence and you kind of knew you'd be there or how did it feel applying for this gig that you did? I mean, with everything I do, I kind of just am like, we'll see what happens. Um, I, I definitely always go in with confidence because I feel like if you don't, it won't work out. Um, I think even, even it's just like fake it till you make it kind of stuff, like just go for it. And with jazz fest, I didn't even know I was performing on the main stage initially. And then I, and then I saw that I was, and I was performing before a really awesome band, the steadies. That was crazy. When I found out I was going to be on the main stage, that was wild. Like I, I like even just getting jazz fast in the first place was amazing. And, and we all found out together. Like I found out with, with my bandmates and that was like, we all kind of freaked out. That was really, really cool. And then what about the Sask music micro grant? I, how did you know about that? Oh, well, my first job in music was I worked for a music nonprofit and I was involved on the grant side a little bit. And I've written factor grants for myself. And there are other grants in BC that I'm familiar with. But I wasn't right. familiar with any Saskatchewan ones. Nevertheless, when I reviewed your song, whatever that means for Rhythm Changes, one of the things that I usually like to do that's just a quick thing that's interesting to me, and if it was ever interesting to anybody else, that would be exciting for me, was I just check and see if they're the recipient of any grants. So it's a habit I have. So I did oh, that cool. when I reviewed your song and then I saw the Sask Music thing and I wasn't too familiar with Sask Music. So it was interesting. Nice. I was going to ask you because I saw that in the article, that really wonderful article you wrote about about my song. Oh, um, I was like, how did he know that? Um, so that was really impressive. But yeah, yeah. I Once again, pretty straightforward. The community here, like the Sask Music, the provincial community and everything surrounding it here is so supportive. Um, and so you can always get help to find out how to apply to, to grants and, and which ones you at your level could get. Yeah, I felt like applying for it would really help me. And I'm really grateful for it. And I got I was able to make whatever that means uh, with help from that grant. I want to tie a few things together here because you talked about how you come in with confidence, and that's an important part of it. And we've talked a little bit about grants and applications and things like that. And I recently had an experience where I lost confidence, but I actually lost it too soon because the thing ended up working out. And I was curious if you've applied for the Factor Artist Development Grant ever before. Um, I did, and I did not get it, <laughs> which is okay. like fine, but... Yeah, I applied for that for the second time. I received it in 2020 and I applied again in May of this year. Mm -hmm. And it was the last week of September. And me and my friend who cross-checked each other's applications, we had both totally given up on it. We thought it wasn't going right. to happen because it had taken so much more than the three and a half or four months that it took for them to get back to me the first time. But it turns out 
that because they put in a bunch of deadlines all close together this year to allow more people to apply, I think they're mm-hmm. taking longer for that reason. So I'll have to check with people at Factor at some point to figure out what's happening. But it turned out that we both got it and it just took a little longer than we expected. Wow, congratulations. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I would say that you can't be far off from getting that one if it's something that you want because it's such a oh, similar bag to this Sask Music one, it sounds like. So it seems yeah. like it's just rolling the dice for you at this point. Like if you applied again, I can't imagine that you wouldn't get it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. That that really does mean a lot. Thank you. There's definitely grants here that provide that kind of like financial aid and 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 I always keep my eye out for them and and opportunities in general. What I've learned uh, especially like the like during like the intense lockdown we had last year that was really like before I released Summer Haze in August of 2020 like that kind of that like stint from like March onward that was really when I was like kind of developing as an artist and and learning how to be a working artist and so contacted a lot of people at SAS Music who are just so helpful and wonderful and getting advice and the big thing is just to keep submitting and and that's and that's so true and that's like with anything I think as long as you just keep pushing and trying at some point it's going to work out especially because if they keep seeing your name they keep you in their brain and they're like oh well they haven't received that before but they're always applying for it so then yeah let's give it let's give it to them this time yeah that's it. That's it. <laughs> so I want to ask a couple of Saskatoon related things. I guess the first one that I got to hit is in one way, this episode happened because you made the news by canceling a gig that you had in Saskatoon this fall. And any listener who wants to know what happened can look it up and I'll provide mm-hmm. the link. But now that you've made that decision and it's been a little bit, how do you feel? I would never change, change it. Like I knew the choice I was making and the repercussions when I did it. And I wouldn't change a thing because it's what I stand for and believe in. And I've met some wonderful musicians actually because of that and um, other musicians who also pulled out. I've uh, gained some great friends in the scene as well. And yeah, so honestly, yeah, I wouldn't have changed anything. Yeah. There are still um, really great local musicians, local bands and stuff like that and artists that are putting on shows and stuff. So yeah, and there's always there's always something to see. Yeah, I have a confession about Saskatchewan that I'm a little guilty about. My entire family was born there. My dad and my mom were both born in Saskatchewan. My mom was born in Prince Albert. My dad was born in Saskatoon. And both sides of my dad's family were in Saskatchewan. But I was born here in BC, and I've never been there. You've (laughs) You've never been here? No. You know what's even worse? This is the real confession, though. There are only two provinces that I haven't been to. One of them is Newfoundland. One of them is Saskatchewan. One of the, one of them is the province where both of your parents are from. Yeah, I mean they moved to BC when they were both kids with their families. So oh just my gosh, that's I still so have funny. a couple of relatives there, but like I haven't toured there. I was going to tour there in summer 2020. That was going to happen. Ah, um, mm. but 
I haven't been there yet. So let's say in the summer of 2022, I come out to Saskatoon and let's say I have a weekend's worth of hypothetical time to go see music, not like festivals, but like venues. Where would I want to go? Are there a lot of shows? Yeah. Um, for best live music venue, I mean, definitely Amigos for sure. That's a great place. Like the basement is also really good. There's a few others as well. But yeah, those are kind of two ones that I can I can think of right now. It also depends on the kind of music you're into. Yeah, it's good that there's that variety there. The Basement was one that I had heard of, and it might have been the only one that my former band ever applied to for format, oh. but we didn't quite get it done to actually go there on a tour because we would have had to line up some things through Alberta probably, and we didn't have the firepower to do that yet. So one day I'm coming to Saskatoon, but it's going to be as a fan, I'm pretty sure, not as a musician. That's always really fun too, just to kind of experience the music here. Yeah, and the Saskatchewan Jazz Fest for sure, because I'm a jazz musician. That's where I come from. So I would definitely love to catch that. Absolutely. That one's such a blast. I don't know if I know this actually. Under the velour name, what was your very first live gig oh my gosh this is so funny because actually it was because of Declan who is now my guitaristing and keyboardist and a really good friend of mine we were like because we had known we knew each other for like years beforehand he I guess he found out that I was moving back um so this was like right around the time when I was moving back to Saskatoon like I was fresh back in Saskatoon and I hadn't I honestly hadn't performed a gig as a singer before I'd only done like plays in musical theater and then camera on camera stuff. So like I had never done a show as a singer before. So this was a big moment. And so he texted me. It's so funny that he was, is the reason this was my first show as Valor. And now we play together. It's crazy. He contacted me and he was like, Hey, I'm like, I'm helping out with this showcase. They're looking for some, artists and bands to perform would you like to perform and I was like uh yeah (laughs) that'd be sick got in contact with my uncle's uh pal Rory Lawford who's this insane talented musician he's uh with this band Power Slave here and he's just insanely talented um and I was fortunate enough to be able to work with him and that was actually the premiere of whatever that means as well because I I had that song uh just like I had had tell me at that point so whatever that means performed as an unreleased tune with him and just like an acoustic guitar version. So the show was crazy because I had songs that were, I used like karaoke instrumentals. And then some of the songs were with Rory on guitar and a couple were piano. So like, it was just, it was kind of like a smorgasbord of everything. <laughs> yeah, There's a lot of variety in the show I did. And I, yeah, I remember I had, a, I had to cut a couple songs because I didn't quite factor in talking time as well as the music. <laughs> so I was, and so they were like, you can do one more song. And I was like, Oh, and uh, I hadn't done tell me yet. So uh, I ended with tell me, which was really fun. It felt amazing. I loved, I love performing and I love connecting with the audience. That's my favorite thing ever. And I've only done a few shows. Like then I did international women's day. And then the pandemic uh, happened and I didn't do any live shows. That 
International Women's Day one, is that the one where you were busting out the covers of I Will Survive and Rolling in the Deep, or is that something else? No, that was different. That was um that was before lockdown. That was February 2020. Dun, dun, dun. Um so it was February 2020, um, when I was in Vancouver and my mom and I had gone out there because I would I went out there to record Summer Haze, Your Sweater, and Good Boy with Ryan. So, um, and then there was a, like an open mic show at this like pub, some family that live up there took us to, I, uh, belted those songs out there and that was really, really So fun. this was here in BC? Yeah, that was, that was in BC. I think it was, was it Langley? Oh yeah. Okay. I want to, yeah, yeah. Something like because that. Yeah. when I looked at the video description, I saw that you said it was in Langley and I was like, no. Yeah. No, it's no, it's it's but because uh, I know where that is, right? But I thought <laughs> I would have assumed that that was over in Saskatoon. But I mean, I didn't recognize uh, the musicians that you were playing with as being the musicians that you'd performed with more recently at home. So I guess it does make sense that it was somewhere else. But I didn't realize I didn't put the dots, <laughs> connect the dots, and say yeah. that it was in Langley, BC. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. No, it was. It was. It was. That was a really fun show. And yeah, it was in Langley. Now I'm curious about Vancouver because you have spent some time here. And I guess because a lot of our audience is in this area, when you were here with your mom and with your pets, where in this region <laughs> did you live during that time? In the beginning, I lived in a tiny little apartment um, right off of Davy Street, like core downtown. Like it was oh, yeah. one block away from Davy Street, um, which was really fun it was really fun to kind of experience downtown for a bit and then moved into uh a little place uh in carisdale oh, okay yeah yeah so lived in carisdale most of the time so bust into like the main core of the city every day and i i had never before vancouver i had never like bust like i had never been like a busser um and there i was busing like every day Oh, yeah. Yeah, you get your compass card and you're like so in it. Um, yeah, that was, a, that was a fun experience. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel like being out in Carisdale, me and my friends, especially at that age, we would have felt like we were pretty far from everything. Did you feel like you were far away from stuff? I did. I, I did feel kind of like it, but it was kind of nice because I didn't feel I kind of felt like then I would go somewhere and go do something. So it was kind of nice being like in a neighborhood. And then go to like Choices Market, which we don't have here. And I miss it. Go to like Choices Market and like hang out in that area. And then, yeah, and then like bus downtown. Yeah. I mean, I have always lived my whole life within a 1K or less walk of a SkyTrain station. So I don't even have my license. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh. I guess you wouldn't. Hey, I love SkyTrains. I'm a big fan. I wish we had them here. I really, really, really love them. Yeah, I mean, it even varies within the region because, like, one of my best friends, Gabriel Dubroy, who's a violin player who I was in a band called Early Spirit with, he grew up in North Van. So mm -hmm. for him, it was totally different feeling, he says. Like, he knew he had to start driving when he was 16. But me, no, not necessarily. So it depends on which particular kind of area you are. It's true. It's so funny with Vancouver because it really, like, especially compared to Saskatoon, it really does feel like it's a bunch of cities. In Vancouver, like it feels like it's like a bunch of different, yeah, like and like yeah, the dynamics are always different. Like you, 
you go a certain area and everyone drives. And then, yeah, you go to another area and people only bus and SkyTrain and have a compass card. I mean, you lived in the West End, so you really saw that. And like, it's funny, though, because I only got my license when I was 17 after graduating. Well, like at the end of grade 12, I got my license. And the only reason I did is so then eventually when I would get carded, I didn't have a learner's. I would have a license. Um, so I got my license on the first try. And then I didn't drive for four years. And the only reason I, the, I'm not kidding. Fun fact, the first time I drove after not having driven was for the whatever that means music video. You know, that one shot where I'm driving in my grandpa's classic car. Um, that was the first time I had driven <laughs> since I gotten my license in grade 12. And so, and I mentioned that for the first time while driving in front of Dylan and Brianne, like the <laughs> director and assistant director. That's Versa Films, driving, right? Versa Films. And I was driving. My grandpa was in the back telling me how to drive it because like it's different than most cars. And also I hadn't driven in so long. But I was driving and I was like, this is so funny. I haven't driven in four years. And Dylan, the director's face just dropped. And you could tell that they were just like terrified. They were like, oh, we're going to die. This is, <laughs> this is it. We're not going to finish the video. I love telling that story because it really did scare. And I talked to them afterwards and Brianne was like, oh yeah, that, that was terrifying. I was so scared <laughs> and I thought that was really funny. So definitely try it sometime because it's funny. Cause I, I also, when I was, when I said it, I didn't realize the implications of what I had said. Cause like I can drive and like, I like, I'm a very cautious driver, so it was fine. But luckily it was just like a couple blocks that I just kind of lose. When you were here in Vancouver, were you over 19? Were you 19 plus for all or part of it? I was 18 when I moved like, well, I was, cause we, we moved to Victoria for a few months first oh. and then moved to Vancouver once we had a place. And so I was like, yeah, I kind of celebrated my 18th birthday here in Saskatoon. And then like at the end of September moved out to Victoria with my mom and our dogs. And then, um, so I was 18 and 19 for, for my time there. And so I celebrated my 19th birthday there which was really, really fun. And then in 2019, April, May of 2019, moved back to Saskatoon. Yeah. And forgive me for missing this, if you have said this on some of your other media appearances, but how did you actually meet Ryan Stewart? So I met Ryan just by <laughs> getting into music again. Like um, I was feeling really alone and I wasn't really getting auditions or anything and, uh, in Vancouver. And I, I hadn't really made any friends during my time there and I'm an introverted person anyway so like it's really hard to make friends when you don't feel inclined to just go out and meet people <laughs> that's terrifying but yeah and so I started writing music my mom was like well just like write some music and maybe it'll make you feel better and like you're such a great songwriter and that was really sweet of her and she was so she's always been so supportive so and I wanted to get back into music uh and writing anyway so I started writing music and I wrote tell me as one of the songs and uh, I was like, I want to get a song produced. Like, I, I don't really have the knowledge to do it myself. And I'd really love to have, like, a professional do it. So I looked up local producers, and Ryan was one of them. And I saw his, I had seen his credentials, and I was like, oh, my gosh, wow, like, Carly Rae Jepsen, Brith Naked, like, that's awesome. Once again, kind of like with Jazz Fest and kind of like with everything I do, I just 
like what were the worst things going to be? No. So I, or like, or nothing. So I, I, I got his contact from his website. I emailed him. And at that point I hadn't, I didn't have any originals to send him, but I had been posting on um, my Ava Jansen, which is my real name, um, um, YouTube channel, some covers. So I just sent him like covers that I had posted on YouTube and was like, Hey, I'd really love to work with you on an original song. Here's, some videos of me singing. Um, yeah, hit me up. Let me know. And I legit was just like, he'll probably never get back to me <laughs> because why would he? He's like this big Juno award winning producer. And so when he got back, that was nuts. And he was like, I'd love to work with you. And he told me, he's like, I don't. And we on a phone call, we were talking and I was so excited and he was too. And then he said, I don't normally work with people who aren't signed, but I'd love to work with you. I can only assume that maybe he saw something in me or something. I don't know. I, maybe he was just bored. <laughs> and he <laughs> was like, sure, I'll take, I'll take someone on. But I, we clicked immediately is all I know. Like that was, it, it was kind of awesome to, to go in there and we just like, and we've really formed such a big bond and I, I've so far so good. Like all of my music has been with him and we communicate really well too, which is really nice coming out of my shell with like what I want musically as well. And like, we understand each other really well, always have, but we're just getting to know each other more and more, you know? Yeah. So you love nineties music, right? Ah, uh-huh. yeah. Yeah. Love it. And love 90s music. your publicist, Eric Alper has a YouTube channel with his friend and fellow music media person, Daryl Sturden called Sonic Reducers. And they made a video about the date september 24th 1991 30 years ago which eric called the best release date of all time in the music industry and some of the albums that came out on that day were Nevermind, the low end theory by tribe called quest blood sugar sex magic i think 10 as well but i'm not sure what do you think about this that is amazing. I I can't believe though, like especially because nowadays, with all the information artists have, like no one releases things on the same day anymore. Like like Taylor Swift just moved her um, album Red up because Adele's is releasing it, uh, her new album, which is so exciting. It was going to be on the same day, so like, and that just doesn't happen anymore. So the fact that that many amazing albums came out and and releases came out that day is just amazing and just would not happen today but it's kind of crazy because i just wow what a what a wonderful day for everyone who loves music (laughs) that must have been an amazing release day for everyone (laughs) yeah it is different now it's more coordinated i think because the music industry is more centralized too maybe that's why but Now, Mm -hmm. I remember somebody did a study on this. I'll have to go back and find exactly whom. But they noticed that the release calendars thinned out in a certain year on the dates when only a couple of people put out their albums. Like on the date that Taylor Swift released her album, whichever one it was at the time, there weren't hardly any other major releases that week. And then there there were a couple other artists who who had the ability to move the needle that much, but it speaks to this kind of coordination that happens from the entire top level of the industry. Yeah. Cause well, cause like all the people in the industry, like the labels and everything, like they obviously talk and they're like, Oh, well my artist is releasing this day. Like Drake's releasing an album or a single today. 
and they go, oh, okay, then, you know, then like Conan Gray won't release a new single today. He'll release it like a couple weeks from now or whatever, you know, or they'll bump it up or, or something. So it's, it is very interesting. It's very algorithm focused, I think now, which I think even artists, I mean, I can speak for myself for sure. Artists, it's become something that we've had to be very conscious about, which is very interesting. Even when it comes to like Spotify release dates and stuff like that, like those are really important now. And that's just not something that was, uh, <laughs> that was even a thought back then, you know? It's funny. I, I love that you went next to Spotify. That actually makes a lot of sense because you're right. Now that I think about it, it's thrown around a lot these days that there are tens of thousands of songs uploaded to Spotify on average per day. Yeah. And this thing that you can see most obviously when somebody like Taylor Swift drops an album and everybody else clears out of that day or that week, and there's this coordination, that's actually happening with everybody's music to some extent because the entire platform, each digital streaming platform will coordinate everything that gets submitted to them and disperse it into their playlists. And there are like tons of people working on this. So everybody is wrapped into this thing now. I know. Isn't it crazy? Like, and um, that kind of reminded me of folklore when, when Taylor was like, Hey, surprise, I'm releasing an album at midnight. Um, there was this tweet. I forget what band it was, but they're, they're like a, like a decent sized band. They're well known, but not like, Taylor Swift. And um, they did a really funny tweet where it was like Taylor Swift colon, hey, I'm releasing a surprise, surprise album tonight, us. And then it has like that gif. I don't know if you've seen Big Bang Theory, but it's that gif where Sheldon has a bunch of papers in his hands and he like throws them up in the air and leaves the room. And I thought that was really, really funny because it really does kind of show like, they're like, okay, well now our single release is <laughs> yeah. going to float there because because I mean, Taylor Swift's releasing an album and that, that if you notice too, that was wild because that really, now that's what artists do since folklore, more artists have been like, Hey, by the way, I'm releasing this tomorrow or like in a week, there's not as much of a rollout, extensive rollout. Um, there still are like, there still are for certain artists, but I feel like more established artists aren't doing as big of rollouts right now. Yeah. It's really interesting. I have, a trivia question for you. I don't expect you to know oh, the no. answer to this, but it would be really funny if you did. But I don't expect you to hunt down the answer here. I'm just curious if you've heard this random music industry tidbit before. Do you know when and or which artist album release put the music industry onto the standard of releasing on Fridays? Oh, I wish I knew that. It was um, not that long ago. Okay, could you give me a hint? What year was it? So it was in 2013. It was Beyonce's self-titled album. <gasps> oh, duh. Of course it would have been Queen Beyonce. Of course it would have been that icon. Oh, really? That is a, what a fun fact. And that was one of the first surprise album drops that started this trend that you just talked about. Mm -hmm. It's true. Like, it's true. That really... I knew that. I knew that. I knew that Beyonce's um, self-titled really did kind of inspire and influence lots of artists going, oh, we can do that. And then I think I think like it became a bit more complex um, again. But uh, yeah, that's oh, I didn't know that about Friday. Yeah, you'd have to ask Eric, but I'm pretty sure it used to be Tuesday. Ooh, 
No, I'll have to email him. Yeah, I'll ask him. Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. That's really, really, really cool. Now I'm going to like whip that out at parties and be like, hey, do you know this fun fact? And I'll be like, yes, we listen to the podcast. And they'll be like, oh, never mind. Well, <laughs> whichever parties you would whip that out at, please tell me what they are because I'll go. I mean, I'll come to Saskatoon if I have to. <laughs> they're the the music nerd parties. I've been to a few of those in my time for sure. I certainly my, did back in favorite. 2013. I was mm -hmm. 18 in 2013. And that winter, that oh. album dropped. And I remember my friends driving me around to and from Capilano University in North Van, where uh, a lot hey, of us Capilano. were in the jazz music community. You probably know it for film. Yeah, that, yeah, I've auditioned for a few shows there. Yeah, like films and stuff. Yeah, so I went there for one year and tons and tons of my friends and many of my guests on this show come out of that program for sure. And I remember the commutes to and from New West and Cap and listening to that Beyonce album and a couple other things around that time for sure. It must have been awesome. Man, I was 13 to 14 when that got released. Yeah. Also an I, impactful yeah, time. Very much so. Oh, absolutely. That was a big time. I feel like that was a big era. Yeah, I, I'm just riffing now, but people often talk about how high school is like a really formative time. I would even narrow it down to being like, it's the just at the start of it and just at the end of it. It's almost the edges of it that are the formative time rather than the actual number of years that you spend there. I I I support that. I'd support that uh that opinion and that theory. Um yeah, because I think like when you're entering high school, it really does feel like you're entering this new world. And then when you're leaving it, you're leaving that world and entering an even bigger world. So that the music you carry with you, yeah, it's definitely really impactful my elementary school music was really impactful to me as well like like grade seven and eight was like those are big different years where I kind of like was introduced to different kind of music and introduced myself I think I think that's also a big moment in everyone's musical journey is when you start dis discovering bands and stuff on your own and artists on your own instead of like being influenced by what your parents listen to listen to or what your friends listen to when you find things like when I discovered like Panic at the Disco and like Mariana's Trench and stuff, and they were from friends, but they were from one friend and it wasn't like a popular thing that people listened to in my circle. And that be those bands became like really huge for me and just different from what I had been listening to. Cause also they were current too. So it wasn't all like nineties, eighties punk and rock and stuff that I've been listening to all my life. It was like current but also still alternative and, and, and not the pop music that was going on. And so you still, I think like that's always fun too. When you, when you find something that you think no one else knows about, even though obviously like so many people know those bands, but at the time you feel like you're the only one listening to them and it feels so special. And that's still, and that's still relevant. I feel like there's so many artists that like just feel so personal to us that it feels like they're singing to us. Yeah. That's fascinating. It's cool to hear what some of those bands were for you. <laughs> I got a lot of them as a player too, like a lot of situations where I had to learn stuff to play stuff. And that's where I discovered new artists that I ended up loving to listen to. So that was also cool. That's awesome. To wrap up the whole industry machine side of the discussion, <laughs> I guess I want to know to what extent you aspire to join that or you want to continue doing things your own way with your own people. Um, I hope to kind of be able to do both. I, I never want to leave that community um, 
because I, I never want to leave the community part of it because I feel like I've learned so much from other musicians and um, from other people in the, in my local area and in local industry who are independent as well. My goals are to become more and more a part of the industry and to reach more and more people. But I never want anyone to disappear from my life. Having Ryan and Eric and then amazing musicians of my uh, musicians that I have, Declan, Steve and Nate. Yeah. Like I, I'll never, I'll never let go of any of that. Yeah. I just want to say thanks. I mean, even though, even though we're meeting across provinces here on an online episode, there's so much enthusiasm that you're giving out here that I can catch on to. So I enjoyed this chat a lot and thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thanks, Will. Wow. Thank you so much. I'm like that means a lot. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Rhythm Changes podcast. If you haven't followed the feed yet, make sure you do and think about your friends who might enjoy listening too. Tell them to search for the Rhythm Changes podcast wherever they get their podcasts. Link them to our website, rhythmchanges.ca, Facebook at Chernoff Music, or Instagram and Twitter at Rhythm Changes BC. The Rhythm Changes podcast is a Chernoff Music production. <laughs> <laughs>